0: hey turn to your neighbor give them a high five say hey welcome you're in the right place tonight you may take your seats um hey what an absolute privilege to be here uh, i do have an irish accent i am from the land of uh, lucky charms they do exist leprechauns it's all real uh you're gonna get used to my accent we we uh, pronounce our O's with a U, and our THs hs well, they don't exist, so you're going to hear a lot of 33 and a turd, but it's going to be good. I know that last letter means something else here, but uh, before I, I start, I want to give honour where honour is due, and uh, Pastor Sean and Pastor Jill, you guys have been incredible. I was thinking, you're incredible, incredibly generous, but every time I come here, I... I leave with a bigger vision for my life. I feel more stretched. I feel like if God can do it here, if he can do it in Sean's life, the sacrifice he's made, Lord, I need a big vision for what you can do. And every time I'm around you, uh, I'm inspired. And come on, don't you love your pastor, your team, Pastor Andrew? I want you to turn in your Bibles with me real quick. We're going to read a passage of scripture in Mark. Does anybody know who wrote Mark? Anybody know? Anybody want to hazard a guess? Awesome. Mark, it's not a trick question. Don't worry. You're like, Mark? Are you serious? Did I get that wrong? Mark did write the Gospel of Mark, and uh, in order for it to be a gospel, it needs to be a first-hand account of the life of Jesus. But we know that Mark wasn't alive when Jesus' ministry took place. So it was somebody else who actually walked and talked as Mark wrote. It was Peter. Peter was the one who reminded Mark told Mark of all the stories that Jesus had done and Mark's writing fervently and Peter's reminding Mark telling Mark hey this is what happened and this is what happened he orated and Mark wrote and I love Peter because Peter was a man that was so close to Jesus's heart but he messed up a lot he was trying to get past his past he had a lot of issues. Anybody here, you're like, I love Jesus so much, but I, I struggle in some ways. I've, I've got issues in my life. I, I can't seem to get beyond. it. Sometimes I feel like, Peter, I'm a little bit of a yo-yo. Somebody's like waving at the back. I'm like, I see you. Uh, tonight, I believe God wants to just encourage you in your walk. And, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Uh, we're going to take it up, and it's the story of blind Bartimaeus. And, uh, I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to break open a few it says this Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible tells us this Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet but he shouted all the more son of David have mercy on me Jesus stopped and said call him so they called him cheer up on your feet he's calling you throwing his cloak aside he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus what do you want me to do for you Jesus asked him the blind man said rabbi I want to see go said Jesus your faith has healed you immediately he received his sight and follow Jesus along the road. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you want to speak to us. Lord, I thank you where we need help tonight, that you would be our helper. Where we need healing tonight, you will be our healer. Lord, where we need encouragement and counsel, you would encourage and counsel us. Lord, we thank you that you are for us and you are with us. And as we sit in these seats, no matter what's going on outside of these walls, we pray, Holy Spirit, speak. We'll give you all the glory when you do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I am an Irish man. I currently live in South Africa. Uh, It is amazing. Uh, We have lines outside of our house every day. No, that's a joke. Don't worry. Um, You're like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, But what's incredible is myself and my wife next week are going to be married for five years. Five years. She is incredible. And I was only thinking the other day, uh, five years ago, uh, we were getting ready for our wedding and uh, a crazy thing happened two weeks before our wedding. We were uh, poor, put it that way, it's very simple. I had, I had felt that God was calling us to ministry, I gave up my job, uh, started working part-time in the church, started working part-time in a few different jobs and uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We still hadn't booked our honeymoon two weeks before the wedding and uh, Deborah was in a meeting very similar to this one and uh, they were taking up the offering and the Holy Spirit told Deborah to give away a significant amount of money and after the fact she came and told me and she said the Lord told me to do it he spoke to me I was like yeah but you didn't speak to me <laughs> and what are you what are you doing she's like I know the Lord told me to do it it's going to be okay I was like Debs we're not going to my mom's house for our honeymoon. It's not going to happen. She's like, okay, okay, okay. Well, we started praying. And a week later, just a week before the wedding, somebody came up to us and blessed us with, a, with a, an all-expenses-paid honeymoon. I was like, this is incredible. When we got to the place, it was called the Greek island of Corfu. It was beautiful. We went to this hotel. It was kind of a hotel that I will never stay in again in my life. It was that nice. We were like going to the buffet breakfast, grabbing all the food, packing it in our pockets. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I was like, that guy. I was like packing it in here, packing it in here. We'll take it for the road. We won't eat for the next six days. So I was, I was battling all this security, insecurity that I, I couldn't actually pay for my own honeymoon. And uh, so I said to Deborah, Deborah, listen, what's the one thing you want to do? She was like, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to hire a boat. And go sailing. I was like, your wish is my command. You have married a man of stature who can provide for you. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I uh, We had hired a car that more looked like a toaster. It was tiny. I was driving down the road towards the beach. I'll never forget it. Like yesterday, in the distance, I saw Enrique's boat hire. I drove up. I was like, baby, you wait here. I'm going to get our boat. I will be your noble steed. I went into Enrique. Enrique, how are you? He was like, I'm good, sir. I'm not going to do the accent just in case. You never know. He goes, I'm good, sir. I said, Hey, listen, Enrique, give me your best boat. We are on our honeymoon. He says, This boat, it's beautiful. It's this amount of dollars. I said, Enrique, give me your smallest boat, please. He said, Okay, okay, here you go, here you go. I, I took the boat. All of a sudden, we were like, Deborah, got into it. I was like, Debs, this is the best boat they had. It's going to be awesome driving out i was like you know wearing my fae bands on the speedboat driving this thing it was incredible you know what fae bands are okay i'm speaking to young adults you've got to hold up an appearance but you don't have the money to pay for it so you just you know you you shift it a bit it's all good they say ray-bans driving on the boat driving 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 it is beautiful i always remember the last thing enrique said he said don't go too far I was like, don't worry, Enrique, I am a stud. I know the way of the land. I don't need a sat-nav for nothing. I know directions like never before. And this is my island. Went off. Hours later, we're stopping off at beaches. It's beautiful. Deborah's relaxing. I'm driving. It's incredible. Hours go by. I don't know where I am, but the sun starts to set. And Deb's like, hey, we probably should go back. And I was like, yes, we should. So I start turning in the direction I think that I'm going. And uh, start accelerating on the boat. It's beautiful. Music is playing on our little box. You know, it's great. It's so romantic. Honeymoon is best as it could be. And all of a sudden, Deborah kind of pipes up. And she's like, hey, Dan, there's, there's a boat in the distance. I was like, what do you mean there's a boat in the distance? Looking over, and this boat was following us. I thought, this is crazy. What's going on? And all of a sudden, I started to realize that this was no ordinary boat. This was a way bigger boat than we had ever anticipated. As the boat got closer and closer, I was driving faster and faster. All I could see on the boat was these guys who had muscles in places that I I don't have places. And they were, they were, they were, there's a lot of guys here, second row, this side. And all I'll say, all I'll say is they were carrying guns. I was like, what is going on? I know you guys are used to guns, but I'm from Ireland. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't have them here. Here's the deal, they're carrying these big guns, AK-79s. It's crazy. (laughs) Driving along like big. I'm like, get out, let's go, let's go. They, They come up and they're shouting at us. Albany, Albany. What? Albania, Albania. I'm like, no. Me, kissy, kissy. Lovely, lovely. Honeymoon, honeymoon. No English. All this stuff. They're literally screaming at us. And all of a sudden, they take out these handcuffs, get our boat, and they start putting me in cuffs. I'm like, what is going on? They have thought that we were drug smugglers. I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy. Turns out after the fact, I realized that we had broken international water laws and we had driven to another country called Albania. I'm like, what? I got arrested on my honeymoon. The worst thing was this, very simply, very simply this. They're putting the handcuffs on and I just look over the other side of the boat and there is Deborah. With, she's not expressive. One tear in her eye. All her dreams, all her hopes, all her desires, all her futures falling onto the floor. But five years later, baby, I'm still here. She married an idiot, but it's all good. It's crazy to me because... Often I think of this story and a journey that was meant to be so full of freedom and joy all of a sudden ended up in bondage and captivity. A journey that was meant to be the best of the best all of a sudden in one split second suddenly became something that we were in our worst nightmare. And I had this thought, you know, we enter into relationship with Jesus. We get into this thing called church. Jesus loves us, He chose us, and we we start on a journey with Him and, and we hear full of freedom, full of life. And then we also realize that there's a world out there that seeks to get at us. We realize that the Bible says there's an enemy who, who, who goes around prowling to see what he can do in our lives. I want to tell you this. The enemy loves to use one tactic to rob our freedom. It's his primary tool, and it's very simply called this. It's called shame. Shame. Effective, most effective tool. It works with the majority of people. Either you're a Christian, you're not, you've maybe never been here. He loves to bring up our past, bring up the things that we have done. And tonight, very simply, I just want to give you three very simple ways we can overcome shame in our lives. Is that okay? We can overcome the past. We, like Peter, can get beyond our past. Before I I get into the text of Bartimaeus, which is a, a fascinating text, I always remember when I graduated high school. I did pretty well in high school. My last exams, they were were pretty incredible. But the problem was is when I went into university, my grades started to really struggle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because what had happened in high school was that I I started repeating information. And because I could remember things, it was great. And therefore, I would get a great grade. Well, I remember going to the person that was overseeing my lectures. And I said, what's going on? She said, Daniel, you fail to do one thing. And it's called critically Analyze. You fail to understand how this concept operates. I think we really, just before we get into what Jesus has done for us, we need to understand that there is a difference between guilt and shame. Is that okay? You, we've got to understand some things. We've got to understand. Actually, Peter says this to the early Christian church in 2 Peter. He says, I pray that you would grow in grace and understanding not just learning it off but understanding the tactics and the lies of the enemy so that when they come at us we're faithfully equipped to overcome them there is a difference between guilt and shame guilt gets a bad rap it gets a bad rap Guilt actually is a healthy phenomenon. Uh, how do you mean? Guilty? I thought it I thought, was, well, so let, let me put it here like this. I'm going to grab this jacket, which happens to match my shoes. I planned that myself. It's pretty awesome. Things happen in our lives. Acts 3.19 says this. I'll get the scripture on the screen before I, before I talk about it. But very simply this. We all make mistakes in our lives. Agreed? I would say that sin is things that we wish we hadn't done. That would be my definition. Things that I regret. And there are things that happen in my life. I enter into sin. I I do things wrong. I make mistakes. I say something I shouldn't have. I I looked at something that happened to me. And I I enter into it. We could call this jacket the sin that I commit. Whatever it may be. All struggle with it. The Bible says all have fallen short. All have sinned. Because... We are entering into an act. We, we therefore are guilty. But the Bible actually says it like this: that repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. Hey, I'm guilty of a crime. I'm guilty of something. But because of Jesus, I can I can repent and I can turn from my ways. And 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 you guess what? I can experience times of refreshing. That's the problem. Is like sometimes we think, oh, refreshing, refreshing. Hey. We are set free. Jesus died so he could take our guilt, our shame. He could take it. And and that's the incredible truth. Agreed? While while guilt says, hey, you did a wrong thing, shame likes to linger around. It it likes to make itself at home. We we enter into something and then we we try and turn away from it. We make a mistake. We say something we shouldn't. And it, it doesn't want to stay there. We can't experience the times of refreshing. It wants to intricately attach itself to our identity it wants to wear itself on us it wants to carry itself around with us you know you know the worst thing when when I was in environments like this I I couldn't experience the love of God because I was so aware of my inadequacies I was wearing things that I I was ashamed of I was wearing things that I wasn't proud of I I was wearing things that I I couldn't do I I had language like this I, I feel unworthy I have an addictive personality. I'll never overcome this stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? You're like, I I, I walk into the presence of God because of the stuff that I've done. I feel feel separate. And Jesus is lavishing his love on us, but we're wearing things that the enemy wanted us to wear, but Jesus never intended us to wear. You know what I'm talking about? I thought of it like this. There's some of us with hurt here, and we we got hurt in an, an act that somebody did something to us, and... We start to wear it and we kind of, it, it lingers around, it starts to become bitterness, and then people are, are trying to love us and we, we can't let them in because we're wearing the past rather than it was an act in the past, and that's where it stays through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is a difference between guilt and shame. I want to equip you, I want to inspire you. But it's really important that we understand as young adults that the enemy wants to attach things for the rest of our lives that very quickly we need to let go of. Amen, church? Amen. I love the story of of Bartimaeus. Could I get a glass of water? Would that be okay? Is it anywhere? I love the story of Bartimaeus. It very simply starts with Bartimaeus in an environment where he, thank you so much. There you go, Ethan Johnson. Shouldn't have always been like this for Bartimaeus. The Bible tells us that Bartimaeus had a name. Anytime the name is used in the Bible, there is significance to the name. Anytime we are trying to get rid of the past and getting past our past, we need to understand that we have a name. You have a name. Bartimaeus was given a name. And this is the incredible truth of the matter, that Bartimaeus's name actually means son of honour or son of value. Son of honour or son of value. Meaning Bartimaeus had grown up in a family of esteem. He had grown up with people speaking into his life. He had grown up with a stature and a place in society, but things had not worked out for Bartimaeus. The son of of value and the son of honor had become the orphan of shame well Daniel that's a big jump are, are you sure yes John chapter 9 the disciples meet another blind man a few chapters previous and they say to Jesus Jesus who sinned so so that this blind man would be blind see blindness was not just a sickness It was seen as a consequence of sin. It was the worst of the worst. You could have leprosy. That was unfortunate. You could have a a limp. That was unfortunate. But if you were blind, it was because of something you or your family had done. Bartimaeus, the son of value and the son of honor, had become the orphan of shame. Society had told him he was not worthy. I often think that that's what the enemy wants to do. When we meet Jesus, he gives us a name like loved, chosen, set free. But the enemy wants to, hey, through the course of time, change our name from the original identity that Jesus had called us to be. But thank God that although Jesus gave us a spiritual name, that he gave us a name that is chosen, that is loved, that is set free. Hey, if you're here today and you know Jesus, he came so that you would experience life and life to the full. And it's so important that you know you have a name. I do have a name, it's a physical name. Yes, but you have a spiritual name. Come on, is anybody grateful that Jesus has chosen you? He's called you. You are son and daughter of the king. You are redeemed and loved, chosen and set free. Bartimaeus had a name. Today, there was hope for Bartimaeus. I can imagine as Jesus entered the city, Bartimaeus stopped his begging and said, hey, very simply, can you, can you take me? To Jesus can you take me to him nobody would take him because the bible says that Jesus was leaving the city hope had built up that maybe there was a possibility that the identity that Bartimaeus had been given by society would actually be transformed by what Jesus could do but nobody cared and nobody wanted to know when Jesus is leaving the city the desperation in Bartimaeus to rid himself of what had happened to believe that he could be healed he, he starts to shout out Verse 48, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I love verse 48. It says this, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. I want to tell you this. Not only do you have a name chosen, loved, redeemed in the battle against shame, you have a voice in the battle against shame. It says this, Bartimaeus shouted all the more. I want you to take this note down. There will be many voices that will try and stop you from letting go of shame and following Jesus. But you have a voice. The very people that Bartimaeus begged from were the very ones who said he was not worthy to be loved, to be healed by Jesus. Think about this for a second. Jesus was there to heal. He was there to set free. He was there to make people's lives incredible through miracles, through his salvation. But everybody else, as Bartimaeus started declaring, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, were rebuking him. Because what they were really telling him was, Jesus is here for everybody else, but he's not here for you. Your sin is too worse. Your sin is not worthy enough. And I often believe the enemy uses this. We can come into an environment of faith and an atmosphere of of, of loving Jesus. And everything is going awesome. And the words are on the screen. And everybody else is worshipping. And the enemy loves to whisper in our ear, hey, it's for everybody else, but it's not for you. There are many voices in our lives that want to tell us to be quiet. I, I started listing a few. Hey, voices of the past. I know what you did. I know who you are. I really know what you did. I remember. Maybe everybody else doesn't, but I know who you are. Voices of insecurity. You don't fit in. You don't belong here. Hey, everybody else is getting along, but this isn't for you. Voices in your mind. Oh, your mind is so chaotic. Hey, you're never going to overcome. You always overthink things. Don't worry about it. Don't step into what Jesus has for your life. Voices of addiction. Hey, you're never going to get over it. You're never going to get over it. I'll never forget this. Uh, I happen to live in Cape Town, which is a beautiful city in South Africa. There's one issue with Cape Town. It's one of the most dangerous cities in the world. And a few months ago, I was parked on the street called Victoria Street. It's quite a dodgy, do you use the word dodgy here? Not really. It's quite a dodgy street. I'll never forget it. I was parked there running something for our community projects. and. It was parked on the road and across to the other side of the road on the footpath there was a group of men standing there who obviously stood there most of the day. They looked quite aggressive, they looked quite intimidating, I wasn't asking them to look after my car, I was very simply keeping a low profile. I'll never forget it, I could see it happen before it took place, there was a woman walking down the street on the other side, she was coming from work, she was wearing kind of a, a work suit and she was walking along and These guys started to hurl abuse at her. It was crazy because she kept on walking. She was like tracked, future fixed, didn't know what was going on. These guys are getting more aggravated, hurling abuse, shouting insults, vulgar, 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 vulgar. It was crazy. I'm sitting in the car, I'm like, you know who I am? I'm Irish. I think I'm gonna have to get involved here. (laughs) We We don't come to take part, we come to take over. If you know that reference, you know what I'm talking about. To be honest, I'm not the fighting Irish, I'm the fluffing Irish, I'm like, oh gosh, I think I'm gonna have to do something here, this is gonna be crazy, how are we gonna get through this? Hey, if this goes bad, she can just jump in my car, we'll drive off, I don't know what's going on. They're getting aggressive, they're shouting, and she keeps walking, she's at this stage, walked by them, I'll never forget, I was like, this girl is steel, she is steel, She's not even flinching, she knows exactly what's going on, and she knows what they're saying, and I want her confidence, I want a bit of that, she keeps walking. She keeps walking as she walks past my car. The wind just starts to blow and I see this white glisten in her ear. Must be the Holy Spirit. Or an airpod.
1: <laughs> an airpod. I'm there
0: like <gasps> She could not even hear the voices that were throwing abuse and throwing things at her. She was tuned into a different voice. She had a different perspective. She had something else going on. She was listening to the right truth. She could not hear. And I I thought in our lives so often we let the loudest voices be the most negative. When Jesus is saying, hey, you have a voice. You don't need to listen to anybody else. You have a voice. And this is what Bartimaeus was doing. Hey, many rebuked him told him to be quiet shut up Bartimaeus it's not for you it's not for you no I want my miracle I want my freedom I want my victory and the Bible says it like this he shouted all the more I tonight that we're going to have a shout that is louder than that of the crowd amen that we can shout to the name above all names knowing that he will redeem us you have a voice what are you listening to hey am I listening to the lies of the enemy or am I listening to the truth of God's word, what he says about me. You have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. I always find that there is always criticism the louder we shout and declare things for Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? It was easy when I just was chill and I was like, hey, my faith is kind of here, but hey, when I start really declaring his promises over my life, when I start living out of the identity he has called me to, there's always opposition I want to tell you today, tonight, there's going to be courageous voices walking out of this room, having the courage to face, hey, many things in our workplace, many things in our university, many things in our mind. You have a name and you have a voice. Come on, is anybody grateful that we don't have to wait on Jesus, but we can call out to him in our moment of need? You have a name and you have a voice. He wasn't listening to the opposition he wasn't listening to the lies of the enemy and I love it as the voices started saying shut up shut up Jesus says call him call him so they called the blind man now think about this for a moment Bartimaeus you're not worthy you're not wanted you're not loved call him cheer up Bartimaeus On your feet, he's calling you. Listen to the fickleness of the voices. When the name above all names commands something about your life, every other voice that was allowed, every other opposition that had plans, every other opposition that sought to oppress you actually has no power. Because at the name of Jesus, the Bible says, every demon flees, every enemy is set out of your place and freedom is for you. There are many voices in our lives. Hey, what are the voices today that if you brought the name of Jesus into that place, they'd run a mile, they'd flee. They wouldn't have any option. Up- oh, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. The Bible says this very simply. I'm gonna to try to do this as subtly as I can, but it's really tight right here on my left wrist. So we'll just keep going, just keep going. Now we've got it, smooth, smooth. The Bible says this, throwing his cloak aside, Throwing his cloak aside, he got up off his feet. Watch this. He threw threw his cloak aside before he got his healing, before he had that revelation of Jesus, before he actually could set into his freedom, into his healing, he threw everything aside. His decision in his life was very simply this. I don't have what I want just yet, but I know I don't want what I did have anymore. And I believe that that's, that's where faith comes in. That there's things that we're addicted to, there's things that because we wear this cloak, we're we're acting out of the identity that we've been given and God is saying, if you just throw that aside and have a little bit of faith, trust me. Call him. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside. He got up off his feet and followed Jesus along the road. I often think of it like this as we get to point three. I often think that so often we read these scriptures and we Take ourselves out of the text and say, That's awesome for Bartimaeus. But Daniel, it's not easy as just throwing a cloak aside. And I struggle. I find that in my mind, things get so easily entangled as the worship team come up. I just. I just find it so hard to get free. I, I find it so hard to let go of, of this identity. I, I, I let it go, but then I, I, put it, I put it on a hanger, and then some days I just forget, and I, I put it back on, and all I know is I've been wearing it again. I've been wearing that thing that I, I didn't want. I've been wearing that regret. I've been wearing that mistake. I walk into rooms, and I, I can't forget it. You don't know how hard it is. It entangles me. I get that. I want to give you my final point. It's very simply this. You have a place. You have a name. You have a voice. and You have a place. I love Jesus because there's a verse in Hebrews 12, 1, and it says this. You've got to throw off the sin that so easily entangles. You've got to throw off the past that it tries to hinder us. You've got to throw off those regrets, those things that are stopping you. You've got to throw off even the memories of, of what, what happened and, and start living in a new identity. But he doesn't just say throw it off. He says, I'm giving you a solution. I'm giving you something to look to. In the next verse in Hebrews 12, 2, we're going to put it on the screen. And this is very simply what Jesus did. It says this, that looking to Jesus, when we throw it off, I can't do it, I can't do it. No, just look to Jesus. Oh, why? Why should I look to Jesus? Look to Jesus. Who, the Bible says, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising it. What's that word there? Shame. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, looking to Jesus, okay, God, I've got to let go. I've got to let go. That's what we're doing. That's why we're here, because it's all about Jesus. He's the one who can change your life. He's the one who can redeem your life. He's the one who can restore your life. But, but we've got to look to him. What did he do? Remember what he did? Well, it says this, looking to Jesus, who, who for the joy set before him. In the distance, Jesus had to do something. And the Bible says it like this. There was a joy set before him. What was the joy? It was you. Each one of you in this room, irrespective of your burdens, irrespective of your brokenness, irrespective of your past, Jesus saw you. And I believe that it wasn't just relationship with you. It wasn't just joy of having that. It was you experiencing joy. It was you experiencing freedom. I just don't want to have them as my own. I want the joy to be that they experience joy, that they experience life to the fullness. I have a goal in mind, but I've got to go through something in order for them to experience what I experience, in order for them to experience freedom and joy. And the Bible puts it like this, in order for him to get to you, the Bible says he had to go through something. The Bible puts it very simply like this, that he endured the cross. Now, what was the cross? It was a symbol of shame. It was reserved for the worst of the worst. Even Roman people were not allowed to be put on the cross because it was humiliating. It was the very substance of shame. The Bible puts a very unique attribute to Jesus. It very simply says this, that he despised its shame. Meaning, I've got I've to get to you. I've got to get to you, but I've, I've got to go through something. I, I have to go through and endure the cross like a like a hard thing that i have to go through despising its shame i believe it very simply like this that jesus was gritting something out or in order for him to for you to experience freedom he he grabbed hold of shame and very simply he said this shame if I'm going down, you're coming with me. In a, cama, in a kamikaze style death, he said, I'm, I'm taking hold of it. I'm despising it, but I'm, I'm holding it. Very, I'm going to take it all the way down. I'm going to bring it down so that there's, there's joy at the end of this. There's joy at the end of this enduring the shame. The Bible says this, that he died, went to the grave. Jesus died Shame was there as well. It had been taken to the grave. The enemy started rejoicing. The enemy started victory. Hey, Jesus is dead. Shame's dead. It doesn't matter. We'll take it. We'll take it. He's dead. There's shame. There's sin. We're good. We're good. We're good. But the Bible very simply says this, that three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. I want to ask you this. Where was shame? It was still in the grave. It was still in the grave. It had no power. Now, that's incredible. That's the power of the resurrection. The resurrecting king is resurrected. Well, that's awesome. We can can see the shame is in the grave, but where are we? Well, Ephesians 2, 6 says this. Hey, in that act of him bringing down shame, when he rose again. It was like the divine exchange. He left shame there. And it says this. And God raised us up. He brought us up with Christ. You have a place. And it is seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Here's the deal. When shame comes up in your life. You don't speak to it up here. You speak to it down there. Because that's where it is. It's under your feet. It's in the grave. Anytime the enemy tries to bring up your past. Hey. I have a place. I am seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You have no power. I have a name. I have a voice. And I have a place. You are in the grave. There is no power in hell that can stop me from entering in to the freedom that God has for me. Come on. If you believe it. Come on. Let's give him some praise as we start to declare. Come on. Let's get to our feet and believe that Jesus declared victory over our life. Over shame. And we can live! It's real! wants to do. It wants to make us feel like we're in the grave, but we have a voice, we have a name, and he is not leaving us here. But every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I want to just give you a moment to respond. We'd love to pray with you, but maybe you've come in here tonight and you just very simply say, Dan, there's things that I'm wearing. There's past that I want to get over. There's stuff that's happened in my life that happened to me, was done to me, or that I did, that I I just want to let go of. There's situations that I'm currently in that I I need to take it off and I need just to let go. If that's you here tonight, I'd love you to just raise your hand real quick. Amen. Hands all over the place. Amen. Amen. I want to pray. Come on, anybody else? You're just saying, I want to let go of the past. I want to let go of the hurt. I want to let go of the shame. I, I have a name. I have a voice. I'm making the decision to just have a voice that's louder than the crowd tonight. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Come on, we're going to pray together, but here's what I want you to do. Keep your hands in the air if you raise them. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray as well. I want you to pray and start using your voice that God has given you to say, God, I let go tonight. If all you can say is, God, I let go. All I let do is I let go tonight and I take hold of you. That's good enough. And I'm going to pray and we're going to declare this truth over our lives. Amen. We're going to fill this place with an atmosphere of faith. On the count of three, we're all going to start praying. I'm going to pray with you, but you're going to use the voice that God gave you. Amen. One, two, three. Dear Lord Jesus, over every hand raised tonight, Father, I pray that you, oh God, would remove what the enemy went for evil, would remove the past, would remove that sense of, of guilt over every life, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, that what when the enemy went for evil, you will turn it for good. Lord, we're letting go of the past tonight. We're taking away the cloak. We're stepping out in faith, declaring that your freedom is with us, that your freedom is for us, that, Lord, who the Son sets free is free indeed. We're not going back to where we came from. We're living for you. We're setting ourselves Enjoy in life because you're not going to leave us here. Come on, we declare.